I, I really enjoy preaching, but I know that, you know, with all the different things, I only get to do it a couple times, and it's actually kind of cool how God worked this out, because I was already planning to preach this week, um, and so when Thursday's news came in about Joe's dad, we all just, like, sighed relief that, God, you are so good. Like, we planned this weeks and weeks ago, and, um, and he took care of us, so... Um, so if you're turned there in uh, John 19, I will um, go ahead and, and get started. Um, uh, one of the things I did just want to mention really quickly, uh, just to make sure that the volunteer opportunity, uh, we have over 550 registrations So for this, this Saturday. It's going to be a big thing. We need everybody's help. It's going to be awesome. So um, didn't want to forget that. All right. Have you ever done anything really well? So, uh, hopefully, hopefully there's like something in your mind that came up. Like, oh yeah, I've, I've, you know, that one time that I did this one thing. And, you know, a lot of times we think of sports, but we don't have to. Like maybe it could be, uh, I mean, how many times in Thanksgiving uh, do you miss that one ingredient? And then you're like, oh no, all the stores are closed or, or whatever it is. And you can't, but every once in a while, you know, you actually have everything you need, and then you're able to actually like nail every single entree or whatever, and everybody's like, oh, the food's so good, and you're like, yes, okay? So, so that's, I mean, that's one example, uh, but like it could be a job, like you're preparing for a presentation or, or something like that, same, same idea, okay? How does it feel when you do something really well that you've practiced for? Yeah, it feels good. Sometimes it's relief because you're, you know, it's more nerve-wracking than it is like, you know, you, you want to make sure that you accomplish these, these different things. And, and so, but when you get it done, you're just, oh, yes, I got it. And so today, I wanted to uh, just share an example, and I've actually shared this with the youth before, um, and, uh, and it was actually in the very first youth group at the beginning in, in August, and, and it's this story that has really uh, powerfully affected me because it's about this coach, this, this basketball team, they're, they're against their arch rivals. It's like the last 30 seconds of the game. They're down a couple points, and, and you see, you know, the coach calls timeout, right? And then, you know, they have the huddle, and the, the lights dim. And, you know, it's like in the movie moment. You guys know the movie moment, right? It's like time slows down. Like the, the timeout's only supposed to be 30 seconds, but the, the, it's like full five minutes, you know. It's the coach speech. So everybody's there in the huddle. And they're expecting the, the you know, the neck vein popping, like, Aah! instead, the coach gets real quiet. And he says, isn't this fun? Isn't this fun? And immediately, all the players like, wait, yes, actually, you're right. It is really fun. Like, ever since I was like five years old, this is the moment. Like, this is the moment that I was, you know, in my driveway. It was, ah, 30 seconds left. Wow. And that's the beauty. That's the beauty of this, is that, that doing hard things well is really fun. Now, you're probably thinking, uh, you're probably thinking about how, like, is he reading the right, I'm, if you looked at the reference, you're like, is he reading the right, like, how does this have anything to do with it? Because we're about to read one of the last words of Jesus. He's on the cross. Well, it was really hard, but fun isn't always the same as fulfillment, Fun is not always the same. How many times in our lives is, is 
something that was fulfilling, that we really worked hard for, but it wasn't necessarily fun. Think about, like, moms. Like, there are a lot of fulfilling experiences in parenting, but definitely not the labor, right? No, not at all. But, but consider that, consider that, wow, what a fulfillment. Yeah, I had to go through this, but then what, what was gained? And so we see that, that there's, there's, there's this beauty, and even, you know, if we want to, for the surgeon, you know, it's, it's not the surgery that's fun. It's meeting the patient a year later when there's made a full recovery. And then it's like, oh, yeah, that fulfillment, it's way deeper. It lasts way longer. And so as we consider, uh, consider this tension where, you know, doing hard things well is fun, but fun is not always the same as something that's truly fulfilling. And, and so, we, you know, the funny saying that uh, grandchildren are the reward for not killing your children, right? Like, um, I have yet to experience that. I'm still in the children part. Um, but it's the end of the journey that makes it all worth it. It's the end. I, I actually just recently this morning found out that yesterday was Tolkien Day, like Tolkien Reading Day, because Sauron was defeated on March 25th, uh, which is like perfect irony because we actually watched Return of the King yesterday because my boys and I have been reading the books, like one book a year, and we just finished, and so now we're finally finished with the last book, and so we actually watched it on the day, and I didn't even know that, um, but it was still fun, but that's the point, Right? Like, the journey is a long journey. It's a really long book series. But that fulfillment at the end, we're about to read something about kind of like that. That this is Jesus' moment. This is that end, that fulfillment that everything was preparing for. So now let's take a look at John 19. If you wouldn't mind, if you can, stand with me. Well, I read, and it's short, so we won't be standing for long. All right, here we go. So verse 28, later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, and so they soaked a sponge in it and put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it up to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You guys can be seated. So, I mean, how is this, like, how can this be that moment, right? Like, this is like the end of a, like a torture scene. How could this possibly be that moment? Like, like the moment where, you know, his, he's been practicing thousands of hours, you know, all of this, like I'm preparing myself for this moment. Like he's, he's dead at the end of this passage. And I think that as Christians, we always, I mean, Easter is, is important. Um, and we want to, we don't want to see this in the, Without the, without the end in mind, but at the same time, that's not how they, that's not how they experienced it, you know? It was the end. It, it was, like, this is a really sad story, but not for Jesus. 
And so what I, um, what I want us to recognize is that, you know, for, for English readers, we, we miss something here that's actually so, it's so significant. And, and part of my story of why I, I why even I experienced it this way is because I, I learned this word. So, so I'm in seminary right now, but I, I learned this Greek word before I, I was in seminary, actually in a completely different environment. Um, this word here is telos. Um, and, and I actually learned it, I went to a secular state school, uh, and, and I took, uh, I, I, I majored in philosophy and then quickly realized that I couldn't make, I could, that didn't give me a job, so I minored in philosophy, um, and then, you know, went on to become a teacher for uh, a decade, but um, I learned it from reading the ancient Greek classics. Uh, I had, to, I didn't read them in Greek, uh, but I mean, I had to, I had to know them, and so, so this word actually is a pretty, is a pretty big word big meaning in, in Greek, and, uh, but it, it, it does mean finished. It's not like they've mistranslated it, but it, it also means a lot of other things. And so what we look at is if we're, if we're considering the book of John, um, scholars pretty much all agree that John was written far after uh, the Gospel of John, far, far after all the other Gospels. Other Gospels are going to be finished mostly by uh, the mid-60s, like 60 AD, um, and then all of a sudden John is written almost in 90 AD. Um, and so it, it's, it's a very different understanding that, that John, why would he do that? Well, actually, this word can give us a clue. Because the other Greek word that's really a big deal in, in Greek culture is logos, which John 1.1 1, 1 starts with logos. So we start to see these breadcrumbs that when we, we have the very beginning of John start with one of the major words, and then we have here at the very end of Jesus' earthly ministry, we have another one of the really big Greek words. And, and so that's going to be why is that, that John is thinking. John writes his gospel with 50 years of faith to think about it. Now, he, he, I'm sure he had his notes down. It's not like he was just 50 years later trying to remember what the story was. But at the same time, he is targeting the unconvinced. He is targeting those intellectuals, those thinkers, those people that when they read this word, they'd be like, oh. And I know that as we go in here, we have to recognize that, that, that John, he, he, he writes this. Of course, Jesus didn't speak Greek. So he writes, it is finished. And then John translates it as telos. Okay, so keep that in mind. So we're going to see that with Jesus, it is finished. With Jesus, it is finished. Now, this is that trigger word, like I mentioned. And there are lots of trigger words. And so, uh, in, in all cultures and generations. And so, we're going to see that, uh, that you know, I'll, I'll give you some examples. So, we see that um, Cold War. If you grew up in the Cold War, born, you know, baby boomers. Uh, anybody remember Bert the Turtle? Like as an elementary school video. Bert the Turtle, if you see a flash, duck! And cover, and this little turtle, he's safe. He's like, you know, it's, it's a, you know, watch out if the, if the Soviets send a nuclear bomb. If you duck and cover, you're totally going to be okay. I mean, it was a good, you know, it, they were trying to encourage little kids not to be scared. Uh, but, okay, but that's, you know, one of those things that everybody experiences. Before the Civil War, those things might have been KJV verses. Um, but um, let's, let's keep going. Uh, Mr. Gorbachev. 
tear down this wall. Yeah. So if you, if you watch that, I mean, I only got to see it, and I think it literally happened on the year I was born or something like that. So, of course, I have to watch it in old, but how many, like, I mean, how many of you experienced that live, right? And so that's, you know, you don't even have to finish the sentence. Um, you know, you have an experience, okay? Now, if you go to my generation, uh, those are going to be, uh, if there's an app for that, Right? Um, and then this, it was funny, I actually, uh, I have this unique experience on days that I preach where I literally go from preaching, run over and do youth, and then I come right back. And so they, they actually, I just open it wide. I say, hey guys, what'd you think? And they said, tighten it up. Um, uh, <laughs> and so, but this was one of those, because I said, is there a Gen Z they recommend? You should pick a new Gen Z recommendation. And I was like, well, which one? And they were like, ah. Oh. Okay, so here we go, here we go. Um, for like, I don't know how many Gen Z are out there. There's not very many, but um, let me spell it out for you. A, B, C, D, E, F. Ah, oh, see, I, if you're a Gen Zer, you would actually know what the next letter is um, because that's a trigger word for them. It's, a, it's something that they have in their head from TikTok or something. Um, so, but don't, like the, the point is, when we have those experiences then it has a common understanding, and this Greek word is the same. And so, um, so I don't want us to miss this. I don't want us to miss this because John is recognizing that we look at the other Gospels and we recognize that Jesus is for the poor. Jesus is for the outcast. Jesus is, I mean, gosh, Jesus is like a homeless, like, Jewish carpenter. So there is a group of people that have been convinced and are totally on fire for the gospel, but this group of intellectuals, this group, the Nicodemuses, they're still on the fence. And so John is reaching out to them, and so we see that with, with Jesus, it is finished. That, G, that, that he is really, really trying to show that with this, with this word, and you're probably like, or when are you going like to really tell us what it is? And, and, and I want you to recognize that you know, in, most, in most sermons and things like that, they say um, spending too much time on, on uh, word studies is kind of like a wardrobe malfunction. Uh, that please wear it, but don't show it, right? Um, like, you know, and so what we, we recognize that I... There's only like five of these that I really, like there's five or so words uh, that really stand out. This is the one. I, I picked this sermon today because of this word. And here it is. We finally, we finally made it. Tell us. Because it's not just finished. It's the ultimate purpose and complete fulfillment of something. So if, you, if, if something has a, like, what is the telos? And that, that's the Greek understanding of it. You know, when, when, when they mention it in, in Greek, uh, Greek, ancient Greek uh, philosophy, Aristotle, actually, his first chapter of politics, it, it, this word comes over and over and over again. That he, he believes that it's actually a requirement for, for them to, um, to have a functioning society. So we see that this is, why is this important? Well, because it actually comes up in other in other books of the Bible. This same word. Ever wondered why the Old Testament, why do we keep it around, right? Like there's so many, I mean, there's lots of conversations where it's like Old Testament, this kind of like angry God. I mean, some people would argue that. And the New Testament's like, oh, buddy Jesus. 
Well, you know, and some secular scholars who don't actually believe that Jesus is God, they would say, yeah, guys, that was a mistake to keep the Old Testament. Ha, ah, but wait, if we go to Romans 10, 4, here we go. The telos of the law. It's the law of Moses. Here we go. In Romans 10, 4, it says, Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. That culminates, the culmination is telos. Christ is the telos of the law. Wow. So, all right, what about sin? Okay, why is sin bad? Ever thought, ever thought about that? I mean, of course, every little kid does. Because, I mean, sin is fun, kind of. I mean, sometimes, for a short time, especially if you get away with it. So, why would sin be bad? Well, I mean, if we can, we can go here because statistically, statistically, over 50% of adults look at internet pornography sometimes. Now, that's awkward, right? I mean, and, and in youth, I, I constantly say there are no topics that we can't talk about. Because the truth is, why can't we talk about them? Who, who said that we can't talk about them? Because if, if statistically over 50%, gosh, that means that that's a real, that's a real thing that like we're all facing. And God delivers. But at the same time, what's, what's a constant excuse? Well, I'm not hurting anybody. Well, actually, research, this is interesting because the research, and this is from secular researchers, because of course Christian researchers have been saying this for all and everything. Ah, yeah. Secular researchers have now proven that the more internet pornography or any pornography that you consume, it literally makes you less happy and more lonely. Proven. Not the opinion. It's a proven fact that, that it, it actually steals your happiness and it isolates you from others. So it hurts you. Here we are. Tell us of sin. Romans 6.21. And I, and I feel that this is such an appropriate. What benefit did you reap at the time from the things that you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. Telos, result. Sin, the telos of sin is death. It's not like God, you know, giving you a, you know, cosmic spanking. It's like the sin literally eats you alive and, and kills you. So we have to recognize that it doesn't have to end there, though, because we literally go to the next verse. Everybody knows Romans 6, 23, but 22, telos shows up again, and it's, it's hope. Okay, we see, and now that you have been set free from sin, and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. The telos is eternal life. So faith in God, the telos of faith in God is eternal life. (laughs) How good is that? How good is that? And so we see that this can also help us understand how we discover Jesus' life on earth, because he says it is finished. With Jesus, it is finished. And so... We, we come to this, why Jesus came to earth. Luke twenty two thirty seven. So this is actually a Monday, Thursday um, environment where Jesus is doing all these different things and, uh, and there's, this, there's this point in, in um, where he, he's talking to Peter uh, and, and all his disciples, but he says, it is written that, there was, that he was numbered with the transgressors and I tell you that this must be fulfilled in me. Yes, 
it was written about me and is reaching its fulfillment. So Jesus knew. At no point in this time was Jesus like at the mercy of the Romans and was completely out of control. It's like that game where it's like you've been preparing for this moment, so you're on. And you're constantly aware of what's happening and what you're doing and what you need to be doing. And so you are, you are working towards that goal. And so that is, that is part of why this is happening here. Is that John uses that word because he wants to trigger all of these people that are unconvinced to say, no, 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 no. Not only do I speak your language and I understand the way that you're thinking, but I'm about to convince you that even Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. This isn't some random person that claimed he was God. He knew exactly what he was doing the whole time. Okay, so there's this, um, there's a field of, of thought called teleology. And so teleology is, is actually, interestingly enough, before the rise of Darwinism, um, teleology was a, a core element of the scientific community. It was a core uh, discipline where you would discover truth and discover things about the world based on its function or why it was made. And that would help you understand and classify and things like that. Let me give you some examples of teleology. Um, and so here we go. We have a hammer. A hammer created by intelligence. It was not, um, not made by accident. Okay, so if we're looking at teleology, looking at telos, uh, the telos of a hammer, you can whack things, you can hammer things in, uh, and you can pry things up. Okay, that is why it's designed. Uh, now, it's smaller things. If you tried to, you know, knock down this entire building, it would either take a really long time, or chances are you'd break your tool, or you'd hurt somebody uh, as the building falls down on top of you, right? And so there's a limit. The telos of this hammer has constraints because that's why it was made. It was made for a specific purpose, okay? Um, now, we can keep going, because if we look, here we go. This is a, uh, a chisel. So a uh, chisel, obviously it's sharp. Uh, interesting thing about the telos or, or the purpose of a chisel is uh, that uh, it can't actually achieve its own purpose on its own. You could, of course, you know, sure you could scratch things. I, I won't scratch this, but, um, but you, can, you can do stuff with this, but... Gosh, if you combine that with a hammer, wow. You can make boats that can travel across oceans. Now, probably not with this one. This is a little small, but, but you could. It's been done. And so we, we see that telos, it, it sometimes can require other things, but, but then, you know, sometimes it's a, little less, uh, it's a little less certain, okay? So here we go. We have uh, um, an Xbox controller. Maybe I should say, let's go! That's... That's what they say when they start a, a match in the game. But, um, but we see that, you know, this Xbox controller, it has a purpose. Very specific, actually. So specific that you can't use this on, on a lot of, I mean, there's certain things you can use it on, but it's probably going to need to be some kind of computer something or other, okay? Uh, I can't plug this into your Monopoly board game, okay? Um, and now, and, and, and this keeps going. I mean, same idea, entertainment or comfort, right? But... Um, you can't snuggle with this, right? Like that's, it's going to be an interesting experience, probably a little cold, a little lonely. If you try and snuggle with your Xbox controller, uh, probably a little bit better with a teddy bear. Um, probably playing your Xbox with a hammer, sure, might be more interesting than snuggling with the controller, but not for long. It's not going to bring that fulfillment. Might be fun, you know, as you smash the Xbox, but then it's over, and then you 
you, know, you can only smash it so much. Okay? And so we see that with these things, it seems relatively easy, right? Like we say, oh, well, that, that makes sense. Like, you know, those are just simple examples. What about something um, less uh, tangible, something less physical? Is my daughter Meredith? Isn't this so much more complex? So much more reason that this would be made on purpose with a telos. Yeah. Psalms 139 says that you were fearfully and wonderfully made. Gosh, that brings me hope. Because there are days it's hard. It's hard to know what my purpose is. It's hard for all of us. But Gosh, with Jesus, it's finished. So I want us to recognize that that's why this word, that's why we're going to literally do the unorthodox or unnormal thing of spending an entire sermon just talking about one word because it literally shapes how we see the entire Bible. We can know all the trees. We can know all these details about the Bible. But if we really dig deep into this word, it helps us understand the entire forest So with Jesus, it is finished, and his purpose, God's purpose, has reached complete fulfillment. God's entire purpose. We see that Jesus is up there, and he's saying, it is finished. And he's not just saying, it's over. He's saying, Guys, this story is done. I finally did it. We've done this. Because what would, what would be his, so if we understand that, like, so what did he finish? Well, if you remember in Genesis 1 and 2, God's relationship with his creation was perfect. He made the earth perfectly. And he could walk through the garden every morning with his creation. He could talk with Adam face to face. And, and Eve, and, and they, could, they had this, this perfect relationship, and then it was broken. And we see in Genesis, it talks about the snake crusher. That this, this whole story is about, is about how he longs for fellowship. We don't, we don't have to look very far in, in the, just, just one chapter before in the book of John. He, you know, Pilate is, is quizzing uh, Jesus, and Jesus answers, and he says, now, uh, in 18, verse 30, uh, 37, he says, you, uh, Jesus answers, and he says, you say that I'm a king. In fact, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. He's telling us the truth. He's come for the purpose of telling us the truth. He's not trying to convince us of something that he wants to be true. And that he longs in Matthew 23, uh, 37, he, he's standing. This is a, uh, a, a Palm Sunday. He's standing there. He's, he's about to enter Jerusalem. He says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how you kill the prophets and stone those that you are sent to you. How often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings and you were not willing. God just longs to have us in community. He longs to have community with us. Not that he needs. God is God. Is God. 
But he wants it. He wants that community. And it wasn't supposed to be this way. It wasn't supposed to be broken like it is. So every time I, I, I preach, I try and find opportunities to, um, to share um, just a book that for those of you who have, you know, you've been doing this Jesus walk for a really long time and you've mastered the, the elementary disciplines that, that Hebrews 5 talks about where you're no longer on spiritual milk, but you're just looking for that extra. Um, uh, this, is, this is a cool, uh, great book I, I read in seminary one of my, my very first semester. It's called With uh, by Sky Jathani. And um, the reason I share this is because that's, it's this, that so many times we assume that, that, that Jesus you know, has all these different expectations for us. But really what it is, is we, I'll read this. So in this way, the life with God posture begins and ends with love. God's love provokes us to treasure him. And in our treasuring, we discover the joyful truth that he also treasures us. This reminds me of Pastor Keith's message last week, Ephesians 3. It's like to know, to know God and his love. Wow. Like how, how much better can that get? To know, to have that, that knowledge or that, that love that surpasses knowledge. That's what we're talking about. That Jesus didn't die on the cross so that we could just show up to church and volunteer a bunch. He wants to, he wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to share and tell us with us. So, with Jesus, our telos can be known. Our telos can be known. What, why God created us. Because I've been talking with the youth in, in, one of, in our study that, that if it's truth, then it can be discovered. We don't create truth for ourselves. Uh, truth is something that, that, we, that we discover. And that's why God gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can discern and we can discover this, this truth about our own lives and this truth about the world around us. And that's why God gives us the church is that our telos can be known. And then our telos can be accomplished. It can be fully accomplished. Think about Billy Graham. If you asked him at the beginning of his ministry, are you going to reach 185 countries? I, I don't know. I don't, maybe. I mean, I have a passion for the Lord. That'd be great. That's exactly what happened. Mother Teresa, are you going to revolutionize the, the care for the sick and dying in the 20th century? She's like, no, I'm just doing it. But then, like, you know, I, I mean, looking Bible examples, Peter, right? You asked him after he denied Jesus three times, are you going to be the rock of the church? No way. But that's, God accomplished those things. Apostle Paul, hey, are you going to be the best, the best Christian missionary? He's like, are you kidding me? I'm a, my job is to kill Christians early in Paul's life. So God is working. He accomplishes it. Our telos can be known with Jesus. Our telos can be accomplished with Jesus. And then with Jesus, our telos can be fully fulfilled. Fully fulfilled. And, the, and so here in Revelation, one of the very, in the very last chapter of the Bible, 
It's an invitation. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Revelations twenty two seventeen. Will you come? Will you look to Jesus to discover his purpose for you? And will you look to Jesus to discover God's purpose for the entirety of the scriptures? That when we see this in, the, in context and we see this in the bigger picture, then it brings us to this full understanding. At the completion of time, at the very end of everything, what do we got? Well, if we look, if we look at the scriptures, it tells us there's only two teams left at the very end of time in the completion of all things. We got two teams. And the interesting thing is, uh, in my illustration at the beginning, I, I don't actually know who wins that game. <laughs> I just know that, you know, the experience that those players had, that in that moment, it totally changed. It didn't matter who won because it was such a powerful moment. Well, we know actually who wins this game. God wins. He tells us that. And so there's, two, there's these two teams and when he wins, his victory is going to be so complete, so that we will need nothing else. So team one, God is going to say after the game, well done, my good and faithful servant. Oh, it's going to feel good, but gosh, kind of also feels a little uncomfortable, right? Well done? Jesus, I don't, are you sure you're talking to me? Like, because I've made a lot of mistakes. Well, how can he say that? Because John 19. Because it is finished. It is finished. That he has done all the work and all we have to do is come side by side and go with him. And then all the work is finished. Now it's option two that really scares me. And I want us to really think about, because, think about this. At the end of the game, we're in the huddle. We're in the huddle, and the coach, we're handing out prizes. And all of a sudden, he looks over, and he checks his roster, and he says, I don't know you. Whoa. Whoa. I mean, did you, were you spending your whole life trying to define telos for yourself? Trying to, you know, pursue your own goals, pursue your own thing? Or were you coming alongside with Jesus? Because if you don't show up to the team, if you're not working with the team, then why would you be on the roster? Right? And like, God is not cruel. Like, I don't know who thought up, like, participation trophies. Um, but like, everybody knows that that just means you lost, Right? Like, a participation trophy is not actually a trophy. It's like, it's telling you, hey, you're the first loser, or, you know, the whatever loser. God is not cruel. He's not going to hand out participation trophies. He's going to honor your choice to play on the team that you chose. And one team is going to win, and one team isn't. Wow. South Sub, I, I just, I, I want us to... For those that are unconvinced, my neighbors, my friends, visitors, if you are unconvinced, I challenge you, don't get let off the roster. Don't get let off that roster. 
I want you to show up. Play for the king of kings. He is the author of life. And he won't let you down. For other references, he's the top G, the goat, the G-O-A-T. He's the, the best baker. He's the final high priest. He's the finisher of all finishers. Will you trust him? Because with Jesus, it is finished.